0: Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good. Toyland, toy- away little man
1: I can't you see I need the money to buy more toys I love toys they can play songs they can dance they can even eat money oh boy can they eat money all my money
0: Childhood's joy. You pass its borders
1: Welcome to another episode of FW Presents. Where does he get those wonderful toys, or those wonderful toys, for short? I'm your host, Chris Franklin, and man, it's been a while since I've done one of these. Sorry for the long delay, folks, but keeping up with the monthly production of JLU Cast, as well as doing Superman Movie Minute with Rob and Batman Nightcast with Ryan has been all I can manage to do lately. And yes, Batman Nightcast, we have been recording episodes. They will come out eventually. We're just kind of banking them before we release them, although we do need to record another one here soon. It's It's actually been a while since I've done that, too. But I couldn't let this summer go by without looking back at the toy line that started my collecting mania in earnest. Not only is 2019 the 80th anniversary of A Certain Dark Knight who more than any other character dominates my collection and my house, quite frankly. It's also the 30th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. The film relaunched the character in the stratosphere of pop culture, and despite a few film clunkers here and there, he's managed to remain culturally relevant outside the comics and in the toy aisles ever since. So today we'll talk about the action figure line released to tie in with that movie, from fledgling manufacturer Toy Biz. We'll discuss the figures, the vehicles, the playsets, the highs, the lows and the batmania and in doing so examine the roots of my own personal toy mania as well
0: bat t-shirts bat posters bat sneakers batmania is here but will batman bring them to the bijou is america dying to see yet another comic book character brought to the silver screen in recent years cartoon characters have had a mixed record at the box office superman sword popeye got sand in his face so will Batman go zonk or zowie? Well, we'll know soon after next week's premiere.
1: As a kid, I wasn't aware of a Batman film in development until coming across Comic Collector No. 8 in 1985, which had a cover article on Batman's history. Inside one of the articles, the ever-gestating Batman film was mentioned, and my mind was blown. A new Batman movie? What would it be like? Would Adam West and Burt Ward come back? Nah, they're probably too old. Who would play Batman. Would it be more dark and serious like the current comics? Flash forward a few years and I began reading about the progress of the Batman film in comic scene magazine. Batman was on the short list of those films which now seemed to be reaching a point of reality. Tim Burton, who I knew from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, had signed on to direct, for instance. Another outlet for my Bat-movie information was Entertainment Tonight, the nightly show biz rag that covered all the goings-on in Hollywood and showcased Mary Hart's heavily insured legs. It was there I learned of Jack Nicholson's official casting as a Joker, a move which surprised no one, even if Jack was a wee bit past his Joker Prime, unlike another contender, Willem Dafoe. But of course, the casting that would have literally broke the internet had Al Gore created it earlier was their choice of Batman. None other than Johnny Dangerously, Mr. Mom, and Beetlejuice himself, Michael Keaton. Legions of fans gnashed their teeth and screamed in anger at the thoughts of the supposedly dark and serious take of Batman instantly going down the tubes. Some of us had heard the rumors that the movie was almost made by Ivan Reitman with Bill Murray as Batman and Eddie Murphy as Robin. We dodged that bullet. Now this? Being the optimistic, positive guy I was, and still am, relatively, I tried to see the bright side of this. I was only 13 when I heard this news, so... I wasn't really sure how Keaton could pull it off, but I genuinely liked him as a performer, so at least there was that. And now we're going through this all over again with Robert Pattinson. Then the trailer hit, and this thing hit early for the late 80s. I think it dropped in late 1988, maybe very early 89. Someone at Warner Brothers decided to get out in front of the casting controversy and shut the fanboys up quickly. I remember first seeing it in its entirety on MTV, which didn't happen very often either, and then on Entertainment Tonight. The trailer seemed very dark and ominous, and the air of mystery around the proceedings evoked the early Bob Kane, Bill Finger comics. Keene's costume had the long ears and cape, which he seemed to be working really well. The all-black costume was a bit of a shocker, but I couldn't deny it looked good and probably better than going with the blue and gray. The Batmobile was an impressive beast, an original design that didn't really call back to any particular version. But it felt right, and I could tell it would be a star onto itself, just like the 60s version was. And with that successful trailer, the murmur of doubts became gasps of awe and anticipation. It seemed the whole world was desperately waiting for the film's June 23, 1989 arrival. And so, the merchandise began to trickle in. A lot of the earliest merchandise was not specific to the film at all, but rather featured the comic-style guide art originated in 1982 by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, and Dick Giordano. Robin and the other villains were featured prominently on rack toys, puzzles, buttons, posters, and a few t-shirts here and there, despite not being in the film. But the most ubiquitous piece of merchandise was inspired by Batman's new new black-is-the-new-gray look, that infamous black t-shirt with the yellow oval bat symbol. And the spring leading up to the film's arrival, the shirt and different variations of it were everywhere. And if other merch didn't use the style guide art, more than likely they were just casting everything in black and slapping the logo on it. Merchandisers were going straight to the source and branding just like Bruce Wayne, with little to no flourishments or text beyond that instantly iconic symbol. The news media got wind of the craze, and soon Entertainment Tonight and even CNN were running features on the impending film's release and the capitalistic hype around it. It was on CNN that I first saw a glimpse of the toys that were to come. A representative of a company called Toy Biz was sitting in front of a display of Batman toys, which were too small to really recognize as more than just blobs. I do recall a large cutout of a JLGL, PBHN, Batman head, again pointing toward the haste with which all this was coming together. Who the heck was Toy Biz? Why am to Kenner? I had assumed they would pick up with a DC license again. Maybe even revive the superpowers line? After all, it had only been three years and the superpowers name was still showing up occasionally on random merchandise here and there. But that makes me realize I need to backtrack a bit. Where was I as a fan and a toy collector when all this was going on? Well, it turns out I was a collector in weight of a collection. In late 1987, I turned 13 years old and I decided the time had come to put my toys away. I sold off most of my Transformers and G.I. Joes, big mistake boxed up my mask and Master of the Universe collections, the latter of which I hadn't played with in a while, and set up my superpowers and Secret War figures and accessories in my room, along with the other remnants of super merch that survived my childhood like Migos and Light. I didn't box those up because I had decided to become a collector. Inspired by articles and ads I saw in magazines like Comic Buyer's Guide and Model and Toy Collector, I realized I could stay connected to my beloved playthings without feeling self-conscious about playing with them. Unfortunately, I picked one of the worst times in the history of modern comics and media to do so. Not since the end of Batmania 1.0 in 1968 had there been so few comic-related toys on the shelf. 1987 and 88 were true wilderness years for the hobby. Unless you were into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I kind of was, but not enough to really collect the toys much, then you were S.O.L. But that Batman movie was the light, or Bat-signal, at the end of the tunnel. I just knew there would be toys. And sure enough, product came trickling in, before the movie even. Rack toy giant Henry Gordy International began slapping Batman stickers on many of their items and packaging them on white cards festooned with that lovely JLGL artwork. I remember finding these at my local grocery store in early 89, months before the movie was due to hit. These were just some of the items found in the pages of my hotline for Batman merchandise, The American Entertainment Catalog. At least I remember it being American Entertainment. Maybe it was some other similar entity, but I believe it was the company who would soon become famous for those HOT ads and comics pushing the latest events that were sure to be like buying stock in Google or something. You know, pure investment material. And it was usually the X-Men. The catalog I ordered from had tons of Batman merchandise listed, and I bought a lot of it sight unseen since there was a limited amount of pictures. I would have an instant collection when this stuff came in. I was so excited, and I had lots of fun money and no dependents, because I mowed yards and things. But I'm getting off track. I also ordered the Toy Biz Batman movie figures, which didn't come in. At least not at first, and not until way after the movie came out. I'm not sure why. I ordered all three figures, Batman, Joker, and Bob the Goon. What was that? The images were drawings of the figures, and Bob looked more like Alfred with long hair than anything else. I assumed he was Joker's, well, goon, but I had no clue why he rated an action figure. Still kinda don't.
0: Batman's battle against crime never ends, and now you can bring the action home. Batman, haha, ha, you missed! Yeah, but I only missed once! You can't escape Joker! Just watch if you can! You won't be alone for long! And, in the Batcave. No criminal can hide from Batman. Batman, gotta run to
1: jail. Each item sold separately from Toy Biz. I would next find evidence of the impending arrival of the Toy Biz figures in a rather surprising place. My mom pointed them out to me from a sales circular we received from Family Dollar. Yes, Family Dollar, that cheapo store that rarely had anything but knockoffs advertised having the new Batman movie figures. I begged my mom to take me down there, and of course she did, because she was awesome. That's where I first laid my eyes on the gold lame-dotted packaging that Toy Biz made a meal out of. There was the black and gold Batman movie logo up top, and over to the left of the bubble, an image of the characters, in comic art style but painted to give them more depth. And encased on the rather large card was the figure itself. Batman, Joker, and yep, there he was, Bob the Joker's Goon. Finding these at Family Dollar was rather fitting. They looked as if they belonged there. One needed to look no further than the card back to see that these figures were a serious step backward for the characters in plastic form because the Super Powers versions of Batman and the Joker were on the back of the cards. Yes, Toy Biz had used painted up Super Powers figures for their photo shoots apparently. Batman was painted all in black but lacked the detail of Keaton's armored costume. Joker just had his colors swapped to make him look a tad more in line with Nicholson's costumes. And Bob the Goon, well, he looked like a cheap action figure, as he was meant to be. I won't lie and say I wasn't disappointed. Even though I was chomping at the bit for superhero figures to collect, these weren't the toys I was looking for. But they were all I had, and I bought them anyway. Well, except for Bob the Goon. I wasn't into him enough to plunk down the $4 or whatever it was. Even though I had a set coming, I could open these and keep my American Entertainment booty mitten package for further investment potential. But well, Let's examine each of these figures more closely, shall we?
0: Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Get yeah. out!
1: Okay, which Batman do you want to talk about first? Because Toy Biz went through a lot of variations on the now darker night. The bodies are identical, but there are at least three head sculpts with at least one more variation added, with one head sculpt having two paint treatments. The two Batman I bought in 1989 had what I believe is the original sculpt, the round face one. It looks like a cartoonish portrait of Keaton. This one was available with Batman's lower face molded in a Caucasian-colored plastic and then the black painted on the cowl. This is the version I own, but there was a variant where there is a slightly darker paint over the flesh area. I believe what happened there is, in that case, it was molded in black plastic and then the flesh was painted on, so it's basically reversed. The second head sculpt still had a round chin, but the head wasn't nearly as round. This one does resemble Keaton a bit more, mostly in the pronounced lips, so it is commonly called the Keaton head version. This one had painted lower face as well. Lastly, we have the square-jawed variant that had a very serious lantern jaw going on. It's back to an unpainted plastic for the skin color. The body is a relatively accurate depiction of Keaton's bat suit, cast all in black, with his utility belt and bat symbol being the only paint apps. The bat symbol is the standard one seen on the merchandise, not the one seen on Keaton's costume in the film, since it had that additional two points above the middle B, which always drove me kind of nuts. Each of the Toy Biz figures had a built-in gimmick feature, trying no doubt to evoke the Superpowers line before it, but in most cases missing the mark by a long shot because Superpowers and Kenner had a patent on those type of mechanisms. Batman was perhaps the best and the one that really does harken to the film. The outer part of his utility belt is a separate sculpted piece attached to a string, which is then connected to a hidden winch hidden in the figure and behind a hole in the figure's torso. Toy Biz simply announced this as "bat rope hidden in belt" on the packaging which we'll get to in a minute. But what that really means is if you stretch the belt in line out, Batman will zip up to it, much like Keaton did with Vicky Vale in that alley scene when he tries to guess her weight. How much do you weigh?
0: About 108, I think. Hold on. See the thing on my belt. Grab it. Whatever you do, don't let go.
1: Batman comes with a movie accurate batarang that you can clip onto the end of the line. It's a bit larger scale-wise than it should be, but it still looks pretty nice. Even larger is his grapple gun, which somewhat looks like the movie prop, but the enormous size of it makes it look like a hairdryer. Batman's cape was the same thin type of material and plastic band that Kenner used on their superpowers line and would continue to use on future Batman figures when they got the license back. More on that at the end. The package for Batman pictures an illustration of a very broad-shouldered Batman throwing his attached Batarang from his belt. In fact, his belt looks like a Batarang, so they kind of cheated on how the toy looks. This Batman also looks like the comic version, just recolored in all black. I'm not sure, but I've long suspected Carmine Infantino handled at least the pencils on these card designs, as he clearly did on the corresponding DC superheroes line. Another artist added a painted treatment to the Batman movie-branded figures. You have the gold dotted background, which I guess is supposed to evoke Ben-Day dots as well as the movie's use of gold. There's a thin purple band with gold stars at the top, which looks like someone forgot to clear the template from the Superpowers cards. The movie Batman logo is large up top, and you get a movie poster symbol with Batman's name over the bubble to show which character you're getting. On the back, the out of place purple banner repeats, then we get a product shot of the figure, except it's not the actual figure. It's that repainted Superpowers Batman again on a makeshift rooftop with a water tower silhouetted in the background. Below this is a clippable file card, again like Superpowers and G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Showing the front page of the Gotham Globe, a picture of the Cape Crusader line art version of the art on the front, and a headline that reads, Batman defends Gotham's streets against crime. Off to the left you see vignettes advertising the entire line of figures, vehicles, and playsets. Jack, listen.
0: Maybe we can cut a deal. Jack. Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier.
1: The Joker is based on the superpower sculpt, but you have to squint to see it. Overall, the figure looks thicker, no doubt to help it look more like Nicholson's heavier build, or it may just be a result of them casting off an existing figure or something like that. There are two variations of the Joker's head. One has a strange double-sided spit curl coming down. I've never been able to figure this one out unless they were trying to evoke the must-up hair look of Brian Bolland or something. This is the version I own. The other is pretty much the same sculpt, minus the curl. Neither looks much like Nicholson, but they aren't bad by any means. The paint deco is very simple, and all the paint is very glossy and garish. That's across the whole line. The colors of the outfit definitely evoke Nicholson's Joker wardrobe, albeit simplified. He has an orange shirt with blue vest and tie, and of course purple suit, complete with lighter purple orchid on his left lapel. The suit is a deeper purple than the Superpowers version. He's got purple gloves and shoes with white spats. ToyBiz Biz packed quite a few accessories with the Joker, including one to work his gimmick feature. A fairly large square yellow bellows apparatus with tube is included. When filled with water and connected to the figure's back, you can mimic the scene where the clown Prince of Crime tries to disfigure Vicky Vale at the museum. Tell me, uh, what do you know about...
0: I don't know anything about Batman. Really? Wow. I thought I was a Pisces. Come on, let's make up. Have a little whiff of my palsy.
1: ToyBiz calls this squirting orchid, shoots water, is in tiny print below the exclamation, as if to assure parents their kid's new toy won't melt the family's pet cat or something. He also comes with a very generic cane, basically a black pole with a tiny end you can put in his right fist, and a nice if somewhat out of scale purple fedora. The fit on the head isn't great due to the figure's hair sculpt, but it's still a nice inclusion. Joker's packaging mimics Batman except in the actual character details. The image of the Joker on the card front is the nicest of the lot. I'm assuming this is Infantino again, but whoever painted it made the Harlequin of Hate look truly demented, with wild hair and a gleeful evil look in his eyes. The Orchid appears to be spraying gas instead of liquid, and his pants have the alternating blue-purple stripes to mimic a pair of checkered pants Nicholson wore on screen. On the card back, we have the Superpowers Joker subbing in for the actual figure again. It looks like someone at Toy Biz shaved off the wings of the Superpowers Joker's hair, though. He also has a very bright reddish orange shirt. His flower looks more like a red rose, and his bellows is gray and looks nothing like the one included. The clip out card again depicts another issue of the Gotham Globe with a line art portrait of the crime clown and the headline The Joker Terrorizes Gotham City, which I have to guess is the utility headline of every paper in town.
0: So much to do and so little time. Photos. Who is that, Loss? It's Knox. Bad tie style stop the press who is that that's Vicki Vale she's the photographer who's working with Knox yeah, that girl has style Jesus Marimba a lovely beast like that running around could put steam in a man's strides she's dating some guy named Wayne she's about to trade up Trying to stay inside the lines. (laughs) I'm about to get a new girl, Bobby. I'm of a mind to make some mookie. (laughs) Phone book. Yes, sir.
1: Ah, Bob the Goon. We didn't get Bruce Wayne. We didn't get Alfred. We didn't even get Commissioner Jim Gordon. No, we got Bob the Goon. (sighs) Bob is one ugly figure. I'm not saying Tracy Walter is traditionally handsome, but the figure of Bob looks subhuman. His puffy-eyed, bearded face, bald pate with long unbrushed hair and a lack of expression makes him look like Shakespeare after a month-long bender. Bob appears to have no ears. Maybe they are under his hair, but it's kind of disturbing how inhuman this guy looks. The Joker looks more normal, honestly. Bob's body is cast all in black. The only color we get is his fingers coming through his black gloves and the Joker gang symbol he wears on his left breast pocket. The Joker face is straight from the 70s Joker comic logo in the DC Style Guide, by the way. Bob comes with a large automatic pistol, which is out of scale, and a knife. Bob seems like a scary guy. He also comes with a black version of the Joker's hat. It does fit his head a bit better, since he has no hair on top of his deformed head. With his hat on, Bob's appearance goes from horrifyingly bad to decent for a bootleg looking. Bob's action feature is button-activated power kick because Bob was known to kick the crap out of Batman in the film. Wait a minute. Why didn't Bob come with a camera from when he was spying on Vicky Vale or a portfolio of photos? I guess that's not as exciting. Bob's packaging is more of the same. You can definitely tell Infantino was the artist. You can kind of see Tracy Walter in there, although it honestly looks more like Bobcat Goldthwait happily stomping on a roach. Because that's what it seems Bob is doing. He's lifting his left leg. We are looking at it through force perspective. It's not a bad image. It's not as out of whack as Batman's huge right arm and shoulder. The package back is again similar to Batman and Joker's, but since they didn't have a Kenner figure to mock up, this is all toy biz here. He seems to be trying out for a chorus line with his right leg lifted up. Which proves the package art on the front wrong too. His Gotham Globe file card reads, Bob the Goon revealed as Joker's henchman. But the article itself is more revealing. In it, we learn that Bob's real name is Robert Capistrano, and he has a reputation as a cutthroat street fighter, sneak thief, and ace marksman. Now, Bob sounds a lot more impressive than I thought. I bet Toy Biz made all that up. Get the car. Of course Toy Biz released a Batmobile to fit the figures in the line, a pretty accurate interpretation of Anton Furst's design from the film but turned into a convertible. Why Toy Biz didn't give the car its distinctive roof was probably due to the height of Batman's ears, but it was disappointing either way. The Batmobile featured two rocket launchers, from the panels which in the movie housed very un-Batman-like machine guns. I don't think those were rubber bullets, honest, either. The rockets were launched via the gear shift and the dash of the car, which might be another reason they didn't include a roof. The trunk opened up to store... The mangled body of Joker's goons? I'm not really sure. The Batmobile was a two-seater, unlike some of the later offerings from Kenner. So you could put the adjacent DC superhero's Robin at the Dark Knight's side, even if the movie ditched him. The box art featured a pretty nice action image of the car racing along with no roof and a very bulky and oversized Batman at the wheel. I think Infantino or whomever thought armor meant football shoulder pads because Batman's upper arms are again huge. The back depicts vignettes of the cars featured with a shot of the repainted Superpowers Batman at the wheel. Now they had the car design but not the Batman figure at this point? That seems really odd. Later versions of this toy came with the armor cocoon which covers the car in the movie. Unfortunately I bought the first release without this and I wasn't going to drop that kind of dough again for the same toy. I've always kind of regretted it though. One of these days maybe I need to pick it up.
0: Those are my balloons. A
1: minute or two alone, boys. Toy Biz more accurately recreated Batman's new Batplane update from the movie, the ultimate expression of Bruce Wayne's obsession with branding, the Batwing. Looking very much like the movie version, albeit with softer child-friendly curves, the main action feature was also straight out of the movie. The scissor-like mechanism Batman uses to steal the Joker's balloons housed in the twin nose of the jet. But Toy Biz was harkening back to the backside of Kenner's Batmobile by calling this a Villain cruncher. I mean, does he like literally like crunch them? I mean, is he like, like, like crushing them? That's that's kind of disturbing. Less impressive were the missiles included. Yes, the movie's Batwing did have missiles, which Batman famously launched at the Joker and missed, despite him being dead square in his sights. But the inaccurate part comes from the missiles themselves. Toy Biz went way cheap and loaded this state-of-the-art air assault vehicle with rubber darts yes old-fashioned rack toy dart gun red orange suction darts extra flimsy too at least this vehicle had the appropriate canopy the box art showed mega shoulders crammed in the cockpit grabbing the joker in midair while firing red missiles that didn't look a thing like the darts vignettes on the front showed a kid gripping the enclosed handle that enabled children to fly the plane in play and activate the villain cruncher a second one shows the canopy lifting now that's exciting the back of the box had a large photograph of the toy with the call-outs and that pesky superpowers Batman at the controls. But overall this is a really cool toy and it's really a nice vehicle. I especially like the idea of putting a handle on there for kids to fly around with. That was always kind of a pain on some of the G.I. Joe planes and stuff. Where do you grab the thing to, to fly it? of the most anticipated items in the line for me was the Batcave. I hadn't owned a Batcave since I got Mego's 8 inch scale one for Christmas in the late 70s. I had missed out on the Pocket Superheroes Batcave, and Superpower sadly never released one. If memory serves, the first time I really got a good look at the Batcave was in a Little Warner Brothers store brochure, which I got when I first saw the movie at the now-long-leveled Lowe's Theater in North Park Shopping Mall in Lexington, Kentucky. Coincidentally, on that same trip, when I saw the movie on opening day with my friends, the Welch brothers, their mom, and their sister, I found Superman, Robin, and Penguin from the sister DC Comics superheroes line at a nearby Hills. Hills is where the toys were. The little mini catalog was a trifold affair, and on one side, the center item was the Toy Biz Bat Cave. Shown atop the place, it was the repainted Superpowers Joker, while the Superpowers Batman climbed the cave wall to face him. The cave wasn't quite the finished version either, but was close. Oh, and Bob the Goon was loitering around Batman's secret HQ as well. And you thought it was bad when Alfred let Vicki Vale in. Off to the right of the cave was Bob Kane himself, clad in a satin Batman jacket and hat, holding a current Batman comic, grinning not unlike the Joker. On the other side was my favorite part of the brochure, a smiling Heather Langenkamp, most famous for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but then currently seen in WB's sitcom Just the Ten of Us clad in form-fitting Batman tank top and biker shorts. I stride a 10-speed bike. Even then, I like brainy brunettes. I picked up the Batcave later that year at Children's Palace. My box still has a price tag sticker on it. The actual playset sculpt does a good job of mimicking the look of the movie set, although the light gray plastic it's cast in and the bright blues and reds of the other pieces does take away from the mystery and grit of this secret sanctuary. Toy Biz boasts on the box that the playset features five action-packed movie scenes and describes it as a master playset with rotating computer monitor. That computer monitor ended up being a pain for me. It did come with stickers of scenes from the movie, and while trying to apply them, I managed to rip the one where the Joker is lounging at the beach during his Smilex commercial. So for the past 30 years, I've had to look at a ripped sticker. <sighs> also on the front of the back cave is a bottomless pit with a winch and a harness to either lower figures or rescue them from the pit depending on how sadistic you were. There were also clips on the bar allowing you to hang your Batman figure over the pit by his feet, just like a bat to mimic how Bruce Wayne sleeps in the movie. Above the blue monitors of the Batcomputer was a large, hollow boulder, which you were meant to drop on enemies, I suppose, but it really makes it look like Bruce Wayne paid some contractors to put this in and didn't get it up to code inspection. I mean, you're sitting right underneath a giant boulder, and so are your very expensive computers. That's not really smart, Bruce. I'm sorry. Three blue platforms provide the standing and sitting areas of the cave, and red plastic chairs, stairs, and banisters complete the very toyetic look of the piece. The back is covered in a piece of form-cut pasteboard that helps support a number of additional play features. There's a jail to incarcerate the Joker and Bob, who is guilty of loitering, if nothing else. And, of course, every toy playset had to have jail. I mean, whether it needed one or not, you had to have jail. That's just part of it. A trap door and a jail. And we get a trap door too. An elevator that takes you to a platform, which can drop into the bottomless pit trap door style, like I said, and a door to retrieve all those lost souls who fell into their never-ending doom from the bottomless pit. A pipe up top works as an easy carry handle too because all playsets from the 60s through the 80s had to have a carry handle. I think it was required by OSHA or something. The box is white and printed in one color purple on the sides and back, with a full-color sticker taking up the front and the top. The front image is not unlike the Warner Brothers catalog promo pic, with Batman climbing the outside of the cave and the Joker on a platform next to the bottomless pit. No doubt about to become a badly concealed cartoon as he falls to his death. Movie accurate! Overall, the Batcave playset is a really nice piece, and perhaps the best thing Toy Biz made for the line. The play features are fun, and for a collector it makes a great centerpiece for this line and any Batman line around the 5-inch scale. Kenner would top it in a few years, but despite its bright colors, it's still a great Batcave. Toy Biz released a few other Batman movie branded items in 1989, including a really nice accessory playset with roleplay items like a movie-accurate utility belt, batarang, and grapple gun. They also made a nifty projector gun which shot images of the film on your living room wall. You could watch the movie before you bought the $24.99 VHS copy, which was cheap back in the day. I mean, that was one of the first movies you could actually afford to buy. And boy, did I buy one.
0: After all the hype and a budget reportedly in excess of $40 million, Batman finally got off the ground last night. And the excess continued as a crush of fans and lines of stars were on hand for a Gotham sized premiere. It wasn't Gotham City, but everyone in town turned out to see one of the most eagerly awaited films of the year. Batman brought out Batmaniacs and celebrities at its Los Angeles premiere. <laughs> Nice outfit. Will they get a load of me. I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm at the Academy Awards. It's incredible. I'm just excited away. about the whole thing. I am a Batman fan. Biff Bam Biffy Sow. Star Michael Keaton wasn't talking as he walked in. Neither was Jack Nicholson, who arrived after the film had started. But their performances as Batman and the Joker got rave reviews afterwards, especially from those fans lucky enough to get one of the free 1,000 seats at the premiere. It was a fantastic movie, and Jack Nicholson was great. I've loved Batman for a zillion years. I was worried that, with all the publicity, people were, you know, it might not live up to it. It, it surpasses it. This is great. And the stars were just as enthusiastic. It's powerful. It's mythic. It's big and and psychologically complex and entertaining. Jack Nicholson's just brilliant, completely out of his mind. It's truly unbelievable. I mean... Keaton is as good as it gets. Jack Nicholson, there is no one else to play the show. It is unbelievable. Batman opens in theaters nationwide on Friday, and by the looks of things, if you start lining up now, you might get in to see it the first couple of days.
1: Toy Biz will release a second wave of Batman vehicles the following year, including a Joker van, which is actually in the film, although it didn't do all the stuff the toy does, and a Joker cycle and a Bat cycle not seen in the film. No new figures came out under the Batman movie line, but they did expand the DC superhero series with some truly horrendous figures. No doubt the worst officially licensed figures ever produced of the characters. The less said about those, the better. Sometime in early 1990, I remember my mom showing me a picture in the Kentucky Post, the Across the Ohio River version of the Cincinnati Post, showing an image of a new Joker figure, Joker Cycle, and a repainted Superpowers Batcopter, all in black. It announced that Cincinnati-based Kenner now had the Batman license. Woo-hoo! Kenner's Dark Knight collection line would build on the movie, actually using the Super Powers Joker body with a new head for its first clown prince of crime, and yes, the Super Powers Batcopter in basic black. Batman would actually look like Michael Keaton, but share some of the basic body aesthetics of his Superpowers cousin. The first year of the line was obviously a catch-up phase, reusing vehicle molds and designs from lines like Robocop and Silverhawks, with bat and joker overlays but the whole thing made for a much classier looking affair
0: something new in gotham city wow. it's batman like you've never seen him before hey joker about a rank surprise missed me time for a change that disguise won't work joker no try this so long batman that's it wings out Got great new weapons, Batman, but I don't run out of tricks. You'll need them.
1: Batman: The Dark Knight Collection. Batman, like you've never seen him before. Each sold separately. The Kinder product began appearing around the same time as Toy Biz's second series, which seemed to be showing up mostly at closeout stores like Big Lots. Around this time, Toy Biz was briefly entering Mego territory by releasing the first wave of Marvel superheroes figures, which would soon blossom into a successful but strange and convoluted relationship. But for a brief period there, Toy Biz was making both DC and Marvel figures, which would never be seen again other than with Lego. So I think that'll about cover the 1989 Batman movie line. Thanks for listening to my ramblings once more, and I apologize for being so long-winded. But I had a lot of time to make up for. Hopefully I can return to the toy chest sooner than later, but please keep listening to all the fine shows on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Oh, and be sure to pick up your toys when you're done, okay?
0: Thank you for spending time with us and being here and welcome home.
1: Thank you very much. I've got one more thing to say and it will only take me a second. I've got two words that I want you all to remember. They're very important. And if I leave you with anything, I'm going to leave you with these two words.
0: And those two words are, I'm Batman.